Hello everyone and welcome to HY Dyslexia Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Techie. I'm the founder of HY Dyslexia. I'd also like to thank the sponsors of our podcast for this season, which is Equip, European Social Fund and Education Skills Funding Agency. We want to say a very massive thank you to uh, the funding that we've got for them, which gives us uh, the resources to be able to produce these podcasts. I have an amazing lady with me today. Her name is Gabby Preston. I can't pronounce her surname. Do not worry. Do not worry. We love it. That's why we're dyslexics together, right? We can completely understand that. And let's be honest, we've all done it, which is why I don't tend to write notes. I find notes and reading really stressful. Wonderful. I avoid them. Wonderful. (laughs) So the lovely uh, Gabby. Gabby, welcome to um, A2I Dyslexia podcast. Today we're speaking about dyslexia and startups. And tell our listeners a little bit about your background, who you are, why you do what you do, and why you think dyslexics are the most perfect people to set up their own businesses. God. So as you said, my name's Gabriella Preston Fipers. That's the fun bit. That's the fun tail end of the surname. It's a bit of a tricky one, actually. Um, so I studied at university. Well, I found out I was dyslexic when I was at primary school. Let's start there, shall we? Found out I was dyslexic when I was at primary school. I was one of those kids that was held back at lunch times and break times because they perceived me to be lazy. And I was really ostracized from my group. Um, and then it kind of built a determination in me to prove everyone wrong, that I wasn't what everyone was saying I was and that I could be anything I chose to be. So it kind of pushed myself into the world of academia. And to be fair, it was absolutely brutal. Like in many respects, I hated it, but I was so headstrong about proving anyone, everyone wrong that I just kept going. So I did my GCSEs. I'll honest, my A-levels, I failed like a professional, like absolutely outright failed. I had to retake them and still they weren't amazing, but luckily managed to uptick them slightly. Got into university, studied business and economics, and then landed my first ever job out of university in banking. So I joined JP Morgan straight out of university. Again, a bit of a I'm going to make it kind of moment when they told me I couldn't work in the front office because I wasn't smart enough. I went, watch me. So I joined JP Morgan in the back office, moved to middle office and then went to front office, got loads of promotions, really pushed hard. And then I kind of got to the end of that and I was like, oh, I kind of proved my point. I did it for about eight years and then left and decided to take on a new challenge and joined a software company starting selling software um, and kind of did that for a couple of years. It was okay, but I was like, I still don't really fit. I still haven't really found my rhythm. And then I joined the family business, um, which was recruitment. And we've got a mobile robotics recruitment business, which is super fun and super geeky. Um, And I really focused on operational inefficiencies. And then obviously we've just launched Tooled Up Raccoons, which is a tech company solving sourcing issues. So how recruitment companies find candidates. So it's been a really full on journey. And I think most of the criticism I got when I first found out I was dyslexia has really driven me to be like, no, I'm Gabby. This is who I am. I have good days. I have bad days. Sometimes it doesn't affect me. Sometimes it completely blows my world up and I can't work like with my dyslexia. But this is who I am. Love me or hate me. And I think that mental attitude comes with a lot of dyslexics. I mean, there are obviously a lot that are almost crippled by the criticism they've had in the past. But for those who are able to convert that into a kind of a driving force of self-confidence, are really able to start companies. And because of that determination, they're successful at startups because they just don't give up. There's this resiliency and determination that runs through their body to prove that they are everything that they're worth. So I think that's really why dyslexics are successful with when they start businesses and the fact they just see the world differently. Mm-hmm. They can run a million things at a million miles an hour and they do it very, very well. 
Super. Thank you so much for that, Gabby. I'm going to dive straight to my first question. Can you tell us more about Tuna Brackens and your journey from initial idea to launching the company? So Tooled Up Raccoons, as I mentioned, is a sourcing optimization tool. So what that really, really means is that when recruiters go to find candidates, we use lots of social media platforms, we use online databases, we use job boards, all this great stuff, right? Wherever you would have posted information about your career, we go hunting. And we use a thing called Boolean, which is a mechanism to pull keywords together. So when I go searching online, I construct these amazing strings that have keywords for different skills or companies that you've worked in so I can find you, right? It's how to find candidates quicker. And that was our vision. And we found lots and lots and lots of companies that were doing variations of it, but they were relying more on artificial intelligence and machine learning to leverage it. And we're like, no, we want humans to use their brains to actually build the strings based on knowledge they have of their industry. And so we built Tooled Up Raccoons that does all the sourcing. It does translations. It helps you find candidates. Like it does an array of things, but we saw a gap in the market and just went for it. But in terms of kind of where the initial idea came from, it was when I was going through those operational processes that I mentioned when I joined the family recruitment business, I was like, we need to find better ways of finding the right candidates quicker, right? Because the quicker we can find candidates, the sooner they're in jobs that they want to be in, or the sooner they're actually in employment if they are for any reason out of employment. So we're like, actually, we can see a gap in our business. And if we can build a piece of tech to help bridge that gap, then it'll help us. And to begin with, it was a very selfish, I need to build a solution that helps my business. But then Mitch and I very quickly realized that actually the solution was applicable to the wider market. We suddenly realized that if we're benefiting other agencies, both internally and a proper agency recruitment businesses could benefit from this tool. So on the 15th of February, we just were like, let's go, let's bring it to market. And we did. Excellent. Well done. Well done for that. That's really amazing. Great, 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 great. Honestly, and this is what makes us so unique as dyslexics. You know, there is nothing that you put before us that we will not achieve to the end. Okay, along the way, we may think actually it's hard, but you know what? I think it's that word of, I need to succeed. I can't hear the word failure. I don't want to hear the fact that I didn't see it to the end and I'm going to see it to the end. And we do, and we do. As challenging as it is, we do see it to the end. And that's really fantastic. Great stuff. Thank you so much, um, Gabby, for that. My second question would be, what were some of the challenges of starting starting up a business as a dyslexic? And how did you overcome them? What were some of the challenges? Right. So this is a really fun one and actually something I wrote a post about. So as we built up towards the launch of the business, I decided to write a post on LinkedIn about the stresses and strains of starting a business when you're a dyslexic. And a lot of them came and stemmed from the stress right? When you're very, very stressed, like I've never launched a tech company before, right? Full disclosure, never launched a tech company in my life. So not only were we trying to build a product, we were also trying to work out how you structure the business, how you handle the finances if it sells internationally. We were vetting various different companies to partner with and all these great things. They were, they were a fabulous learning, but taking on loads and loads of information, running at a million miles an hour, your stress levels are going through the roof, your exhaustion levels are even higher. And what that meant for me is that my short-term memory was kaput. 
Like that is one of my challenges with my dyslexia is my short-term memory. And I really, really struggled. And I was getting really stressed because I could see it. I knew this stress was mounting and I knew my short-term memory was getting worse and worse because of the type of questions I was asking. And I was like, I can't keep doing this because every time I have to repeat myself, I'm losing precious time not doing something else I should be getting up to in terms of to push the business forward. So I found that really, really difficult. And one of the things that I kind of, that penny drop moment when I sat there and just kind of went, it's just taken me four hours to write an email because I can't get my words out because I'm so stressed and so tired. And what I did is I took four days off. I just stopped. And my husband was like, we can't stop. We can't stop. I said, you can stop. We have a choice. It's our business. And I said, look, I can keep running and we can keep running. But ultimately, if I keep running, the challenges I'm facing are only going to escalate and they're going to get worse and worse and worse. And I'm going to get more stressed, which isn't going to help the situation. Let's take four days off. Let's kind of regroup, like not talk shop. We're not allowed to talk anything business and just recenter and refocus on what we're trying to achieve. And then come back to work with a fresh mind, a clearer plan on an agenda and kind of work that I needed to allocate to other people. So if I was trying to take on too much, being like, you know what, I'm going to give you this task. I'm going to give you that task and taking it off my plate. So I was left with critical tasks so I could be focused, not overwhelmed and not exhausted. And those are kind of that's the stress and strain of it and the impact of my dyslexia. But by taking those four days off, literally transformed my mindset I just felt so light when I came back that I was like okay cool I'm ready for the next round and I think many people who start businesses don't do that because they feel like they need to run at a billion miles an hour all day every day but it's not healthy you're human and you're more likely to make mistakes exactly and of course you know as a new startup we make so many mistakes along the way as well because you don't have all the questions and one of the ways I've got over it or around it is to actually hire someone who knows what they're doing in that area for example social media is a bit of a challenge for me so someone who's very good at that if you can afford it uh, to do that for you so I guess you use your strengths to the best of your ability to make it work for you as an individual I mean we all know that dyslexia uh, affects everybody in so many different ways um my dyslexia your dyslexia is two different levels mine is also in short but memory um but it's also all the other bits that go with it, like the reading, the writing, the spelling, the comprehension, trying to understand what I've written or what somebody else has written. So um, yep. it worked for you for four days off. So I do agree 100%. Sometimes I need to just step away from it all and come back and, 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 and get it all started again. Um, and that does really work. And I hope that that bit of advice that you've given may help other people who are listening to, uh, um, to the yep. podcast yeah. And I mean, to be fair, when when you mentioned about hiring other people, I think that's always a concern for people when it comes to starting a business, because they're like, if you haven't started making money, that can be really stressful because you're like, I know I need the help. Like, how how do I get the help I need without spending the money? And the honest answer is it tends to be graduates. Like I hired a graduate who wanted an internship. So she was relatively inexpensive. She was super, super keen. She was she's a marketing graduate. And I was like, actually, you kind of fill a gap. So you, remember, you don't have to have like super expensive employees, but you have to have people who are passionate and driven and focused on kind of they're they're behind you with your project, right? They've bought into it. And yeah. sometimes that's the most powerful thing. Or just yeah. asking a favor of a friend, right? Don't ever forget that the people around you love you. 
right? Your friends, your family, and the odds are you may know someone who knows someone else who wants to help you and just say, look, is there any way you could assist me? And there is no harm in asking for that. And sometimes that's nice. They'll be like, do you know what? I can do a couple of hours free this week. And you're like, awesome, let's go. Like, that's really powerful. So if you don't have the money to employ someone to help you, ask around and see if you can get the help. Don't be ashamed. You're a startup business. Everyone needs help at one point. Exactly. And to be honest, it's really important that what you said, I just have to second that. If you don't ask, you're never going to know what the answer will be. I mean, exactly. you'll either be a yes or a no. And if it's a no, you know to move on. <laughs> the amount of times I've gone and asked, as well as paying people to kind of facilitate the bits that I, I may struggle with, I've also sometimes just asked, can you help me out with this? Yeah. But of course, you know, why not? You know, sometimes, sometimes that's the best way forward as well. You are right. Starting a business, you know, we, we don't always have the money. Um, at the beginning to be able to afford. That is a very good tip, actually. Hire a graduate. Yeah. Yeah. Hire a grad. Or, I've got some fabulous ones. Or sometimes as well, there are people out there who would give their time as in volunteering yeah. to support what you're doing. Yeah. Also a good thing. Absolutely. But again, like it's asking the questions, but also putting yourself out there. Like when you first start the business, going out to other people in your network or people you know who do something similar where there may be synergies between your two businesses where you can be like, look, if I talk about you, will you talk about me? Mm. Or if I need your help with this, will you talk about me in this way? And actually those kind of parallel conversations that are mutually beneficial can be the transition of your business being no money to your business being millions right getting people talking about you and it starts generating the money you're kind of helping each other in terms of a marketing right if you don't like marketing if you've got someone talking about you and raving about your product and your brand and your business even if it's free that's marketing right genius simple didn't cost you a penny and it's ultimately they have to talk not you win absolutely right massive wins it's just kind of what is called boxing smart is what I call it Mm. ask for help and surround yourself with people who love you and love your product and I do agree with you now because I think when we were when I was first starting to dyslexia I did a lot of networking a lot of you know those those times in 2016 we could meet you know in in I don't know um (laughs) you know we could meet other people the good old days that was absolutely fantastic (laughs) to have gone to a lot of networking I remember joining my local um, one of business of chambers which is where a lot of our um, businesses came from Uh, I was very much um, on LinkedIn which is where I find it as a startup it really did help you know kind of engage with other people um, was a very good place as well social media is one of again one of the um, best places that we we kind of got recognized and then word of mouth as well. Yeah. You know, you provide a service to someone, someone else will tell what someone else. And then before you know, you're, you're actually on your way. Uh, um, um. But to be fair, but that that's an amazing one, right? If you've delivered something for someone, no matter what your product is, whether it's a physical product or it's a service, whatever it may be, or however young your business is, it doesn't matter. But what people forget to do is ask for the referral. Ask for the referral, right? If I've had, if I like, I've got a couple of clients, right? I've got 45 clients right now on for this tool at Raccoons. And literally, if they come back with positive feedback, I'm like, do you know what? You're finding it really good. Is there anyone else in your network that you think would benefit from this? Was there, is there anyone else you think like you would want to get me in contact with? I'm happy for you to do the introduction, but ask for the referral. Keep asking, right? Like they're your network. If they love what you're doing, get them to talk about you. Again, like for dyslexics, writing marketing materials is not necessarily the easiest job in the world. And business development isn't the easiest thing in this day and age. Because again, where we can't socialize in those kind of business environments, you're reliant on sending an email, 
sending a LinkedIn message, a Facebook message, all of it's written. And for dyslexics, that's really hard. So if you can get those referrals by simply asking, tick, right? It's eliminated a bit. You don't have to go and do the manual side of it. And what's the other one? An affiliate program. They're great, right? Setting up an affiliate program where if you've got someone on that you know is a specialist in the area, you can set them up on a platform, right? I think it's like 20 quid a month. I've got one. And they talk to their community about it. And then they take a percentage cut of whatever business gets converted. And it can be 2%, it can be 3%, but it means you don't have to do any outlay up front. But when the business converts and you get some money, they get a little bit of a thank you very much for helping me. But again, I don't have to do any marketing. I get to get their help. They get to use their network. They get to refer. And like, it just kind of the circle works. So again, if you don't like writing stuff, there's some really smart, simple steps you can take to avoid it. And I do it a lot. If I can't do it, I avoid it. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, um, Gabby. That's really amazing. Um, you know, it's it's great, great that our, our listeners um obviously listening to this and if they're thinking of um starting their own businesses, particularly during this pandemic and during this COVID-19 time that we're in. So many people are unemployed, and I normally say to people, look. If it's an idea you've been thinking of for some time, ex- execute it simply because it doesn't matter what it is. Just try it out and see, because you never know who would really need that product, that service, whatever you're hoping to offer. Um, and I, 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 I know a couple of people who have set up their businesses during these difficult times. And it was due to the fact that there was COVID and they saw a niche in that particular market and they went for it. And, and they're doing quite well, to be honest. And I think, But I think this is the point, right? So many people are hiding behind COVID-19, right? There's never a perfect time to start a business, right? Especially if you're putting all your eggs in one basket, right? Like me and my husband, like I left my full paying job to join the family business and then COVID hit. All our money was reliant on our recruitment business. And it was like heart palpitations. Oh my goodness. I like, I'd never had a job that I wasn't in like full salaried position. So I was like, oh my goodness, the stress. And people are like, I can't start a business during a bad market. And I was like, but then as soon as it becomes a good market, you'll be like, oh, I don't want to do that because I've got the job security and I've got this. And there's always a reason why not to do it. But if you if you have a vision, right, if it's in your head and you know it's a gap, like you've done your homework, you know it's a gap, you know it needs to be filled, you know there's going to be demand for it, just start. Start moving forward. And as soon as you start moving forward, you'll start going, actually, do you know what, this is something or you'll go, do you know what, actually, it's not as great as I thought it was. And that's just as okay. But don't sit on it and don't do anything. And I know a lot of people have spoken to me about starting tech companies since we lost Told Up Raccoons. And they're like, I don't know anything about tech. And I was like, I don't know how to code. I don't code. I've got someone who does it for me. But just because you don't, you've never done it before, or you may not have gone to university, or you may not have the academic background in it, it doesn't matter. If you have the vision and you see the gap and you have that passion, go for it because no one else is doing it. So there is an opportunity to, for you to fill the gap. But again, surround yourself with people who may have the knowledge in certain areas where you lack and go for it. Don't hesitate because you will kick yourself when you're 80, 90 years of age, you will kick yourself and wish you'd just gone for it. And honestly, like I said, there is never a perfect time, right? I've got a daughter like in theory, me joining a family business with a one-year-old was like one of the most stupidest things in the world because our income is like one family. But you know what? It's the best decision I ever made because for the first time ever, being a dyslexic, 
I could be exactly who I am every day without judgment, without criticism. Like if I have a bad day, my husband's like having a bad day and I'm like, yeah, do you mind, do you mind working today? And I'll look after Phoebe. Like I've got a now a squad around me that just get me. So just don't hesitate. Don't look for the perfect time. Just go for it. Just put yourself out there and run at it. And worst case scenario, if it doesn't work, you go find a different job. Like, that's the worst thing that's going to happen. And no one will be able to Yeah, I normally say if it doesn't work, you dust yourself off and you try again, isn't it? It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's really as simple as that. You know, it really is. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's stressful. And if you if you like you're a sole income or a, a single individual, whatever it may be, and you've got bills coming in, you know, they're coming in that can put a lot of pressure on it. But give it a go. Like give it a go. Like even if you worked one job and still kind of started to build the business, if that's your comfort zone, do it. But get that business moving. So you're at a position where you can step away from your full time job and go, right, I'm going to be all in it. If you're brave and you just want to run at it, then do that. But Just have that self-confidence. And I think the most important thing to remember, though, is if it does fail, like you just said, Elizabeth, dust yourself off and go again if you want to, right? Some people start businesses and they quickly realize that it's just not their bag. It's not what they want to do. They don't love it. And then they're like, oh, do you know, I I had a business for six months. That's really embarrassing to have on my CV. It's absolutely not. If you have a business for one month, two months, three months, and it fails, even if you had it for 15 years and it fails, no employee will or employer will criticize you for that because actually when you come to present yourself on your CV and in those interviews you turn around and go this is what I did this is what I learned and I promise you even if you only survived a month in your startup the le- the lessons you will have learned during that period of getting it ready and launching are mind-blowing they're bigger than some of the lessons you could learn in any work environment and a, an employer will absolutely be like, I need you on my team because you've seen things, you've learned things. So don't fear the failure in terms of I won't be employable. I think, because I think there's two sides of it, right? So just go for it. Excellent. Thank you so much, Gabby. That's absolutely wonderful. Mike, I've got a, a very interesting question here. Is there anything you wish you had known about startup before you launched to two up raccoons? I think apart from how to launch a tech company, yes. Because um, <laughs> I think even post go live, we're still constantly learning things and kind of changing everything. But I think the biggest thing I wish I'd done before we actually launched was really sat down and thought about the long-term game plan. Because what ended up happening, we got so engrossed with all the setup, right? As you do, you probably remember this, Elizabeth, where you're kind of like, I'm going to do this and this is the excitement. I'm going to network and I'm going to build and I'm doing all this stuff. But it's very short term sighted. So what then happens when the company launches and you're like, okay, I've got to this point, you suddenly go, okay, I'm going to keep copying, doing some of the business development side so I can grow the business. But you're not necessarily going, where am I taking this? Like, where is my kind of five-year point? And people always talk about five-year, 10-year plan, right? I mean, nine times out of 10, I just go, whatever. But when it comes to a company, sit there and go, okay, in 10 years time, if I'm sitting in a park bench, what do I want to be able to say about my company? Do I want to say I've got a million employees, if that matters to you? For me, I don't really care how many employees I have. I just want to have excised business. Do I want to keep the business? Do I want to sell the business? Do I want to white label it? So basically design technology and get other people to use it within their technology stacks. Where do you want to be with your business? Do you want it to be completely dependent on you as an individual? Or do you want to start stepping away in five, 10 years time or even closer? But kind of have that in your mind so that as you go through this journey, every decision you make 
keeps you aligning to where you're trying to go. And of course, that five-year, 10-year goal can shift. Like that's absolutely cool as your business kind of ebbs and flows and what it's up to. But just have that clear mindset and go like, even if you go every other week, you sit down and go, do I still want to be there in five years time? Yeah, that's where I'm going. Right, let's keep moving. It just keeps you true and honest because for us we launched we ran at it we keep running and making tweaks and changes to the product stack because we keep getting excited but it was until the other day that I looked at my husband was like we really need a game plan like where do we actually want to be with us in five ten years time and just having that capacity to think that way I wish I'd done it sooner to align each of the steps we're taking more clearly Wonderful. That's the one thing I wish I'd done. Excellent. Wonderful. That's really, really great. And I think everybody would have, everyone who's a startup, whether dyslexic or not, who may be listening to this podcast would probably think, actually, where, what did, what did, what, what could I have done differently, you know, by starting up? And we're only human beings as well. You know, we don't all have all the answers. You have like a, a two or three tips. Okay. It's great to share a couple of points with our, with our listeners. And that will bring us to the end of the podcast. Is there anything you'd like to share? Okay. So my, I mean, my major, 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 major tip, right? I think I've got one major one and two more kind of obvious ones. But as we mentioned right at the beginning of this podcast, throughout our careers, when well, throughout our lives, when you are dyslexic, you often find people criticize you. And no matter how much confidence you gain in yourself, Often those kind of little jabs people used to say about you being thick or dumb or stupid um, and telling you wouldn't succeed sneak into your brain, right? They do. Sometimes mine are so loud. It's like it almost feels like they're in the room with me talking. And what I found is when I started the company, I was running so fast, doing so many things. that I often felt like I wasn't achieving because right when you start a company, the list is longer than you will ever be able to achieve in a day. And it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. It's like those comedy films right, with the scrolls that they unravel and it just rolls for miles. That's what the to-do list is like with a startup. But for me, what I started doing was picking three key tasks a day, just three. And what I did is the night before, I'd write these three things I had to achieve. Only three, right? And I know it's going to feel small, but go with me on this one. You write the three you want to achieve. You come the next morning and you start work and you go, right, I'm going to do number one. And then I'm going to do number two. And then I'm going to do number three. Okay. And then depending on how much time you have left in the rest of the day, you'll add one extra task. And then you can add another extra task, depending on how quickly you get through it. But what will happen is by the end of that day, you stop and you look at that board and I'm pointing behind me because there's a board behind me, not that you can see my hand. Um, And you'll suddenly see all the things you achieved and the success you had. So on those moments where you're lacking that confidence and you're like, oh, maybe where everyone was right, I'm not succeeding, I'm not achieving, I'm not getting on top of things. By having this really good routine of every night writing your three, doing your three, and then kind of re-repeating it you keep reinforcing your awesomeness and that you are being successful and you are making headway. So that for me is an absolute must for those dyslexics that are affected by that kind of those huge doubt moments due to other people's voices. So that's a must. The other one is talk to others, right? When people start a company, they get really nervous that someone's going to nick their idea or they're going to run off with it. You know what? Even if they tried, they're not you. They're not you, so they don't have your passion. They don't have your drive. They don't have your rationale for why you're doing it. So nine times out of 10, they may copy it, but ultimately it won't be as good as yours because it's your baby and it's your vision. So don't be scared to talk to others, okay? Just acknowledge there's going to be those cheats out there, but own it, talk to others, network, get the support you need from people around you, even bounce ideas off them 
and don't take their feedback. Take it, but don't take it too seriously, right? Because if you know what you're doing, not all feedback's going to be great. So you have to be able to pick and choose. But the other one is where we actually spoke about it earlier and we touched on it is the fact that if you're not good at something and you know it, right, you can walk into a meeting and you're not going to be, you're not amazing at everything, right? And unfortunately, people who start a business are expected to do everything and wear every single hat. If you know you have a particular blind spot, so mine particularly is marketing, right? Writing posts for social media, I know I need to do, but I struggle to do it. Go out and find someone who can help you. Even if they join as a partner on day one, get them to do it. Like I'm very fortunate that I run Tooled Up Raccoons with my husband and we've been together 16 years now. So he very much is like the, we're like the yin and yang of each other. Areas where I'm rubbish at, he's amazing at and vice versa. But if you are starting a company and you can see a gap you have, try and find someone to join you on day one. It, whether it's a volunteering or whether she actually they come on as a partner within the business, but bridge that gap before you get there. And 100%, I stand by this every day of the week because your, your weakness could potentially be your downfall. So you need to just bridge that gap and then you move forward. So those are kind of like my top three critical things. But number one is definitely the three list achievement success. Mind-blowing, transformed my days. Wonderful. Now, I remember when we when I was first starting at HY and um, I remember I was speaking to someone and they said to me, how, well, how is that going to work then if you're going to support dyslexics in the community with employability and um, education and, and maybe entrepreneurship. How are you ever going to do that? Because other people are doing it already. So then I gave the example of how many uh, supermarkets are there. We've got Sainsbury's, we've got Asda's, we've got, I don't know, Morrison, we've got Waitrose, so many. But everybody's got their preference. So I said, look, I know that there's a market out there. I know that, the, the, you know, the service we're going to provide is quite niche. And I believe it will work. Now, the first year of HY Dyslexia, we had one client, just one. It was like literally one person. I don't think this is going to work, the back of my mind. But I, the voice that you were talking about earlier about, you know, if you've always been told you're never going to amount to nothing and you're lazy and you're stupid and all those things that I kept hearing when I was, a, when I was younger or even in a workplace, you know, um, when I used to work, they wouldn't physically come out and tell you these things. But sometimes they say action speaks louder than words. So people's facial expressions and things will make you feel, oh, okay, all right then. And you'd walk away. But this time I thought, you know what, I'm never going to walk away from this. I'm going to make it work. Even if there's two clients, it's going to have to work. Because I think one thing for me was I just wasn't ready to go back into the corporate world and to be working for somebody nine to five and having children and all the childcare and all those issues that go with it. So five years later, here we are. And I'm saying this to encourage someone to say that, look, whatever the idea is, go for it. Because if you believe in whatever you're selling, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, whatever it might be, if you believe in it, and you, you've got a positive mindset to it, it will be successful. Absolutely. I think the only th- I think the only thing I'd add to that is that if you feel like, if you do have a year where you only have like one client and you're sitting there scratching your head going, what am I doing? Like, why isn't this penetrating? Sometimes the best thing to do is actually just sit down and do a mind map. Like sit down and do a mind map or go and talk to that one client and go, do you know what? Tell me why. Like, why did you, like, give me some feedback. Why did you pick us? And then look at how you can grow further because sometimes... It's, a, it's that blind spot, right? If you've only got one client in the first year, or maybe you don't have any in the first year, right? Like not all startups are easy. They are so hard to get clients on. But if you're finding people aren't converting and they don't want to play with you in the sandpit, then ask the question. Like if you do a pitch to someone, they go, do you know what? It's not for me. Go, okay, cool. Do you mind me just asking? Like, I'm, I'm not going to try and change your mind. It's cool. But do you mind elaborating? Like, is there anything that my product or service could do 
that would mean more to you that would make you want to come on board? And sometimes that one simple question suddenly it might not convert them at that point in time but what it does is gives you food food for thought about how you can evolve and develop your business to become so meaningful for your client that they will snap it up and you only find that out by asking and evolving your solution to become that need to have rather than a nice to have exactly and one thing I always say is I've got this never give up attitude you know in the past what it has been for me is it's not working and I move on it's not working and I'm and if actually my back's against the wall I'm not walking away this time this time I'm going to see it through to the end yeah, five years yeah. later this is where we are and supporting the community still and, there still there talking oh, to me absolutely and hoping <laughs> for bigger and amazing things in the pipeline it's it's going to be so great always. you know because always. I've always said if people have always going to you know dyslexia is not going to vanish overnight we're not going to wake up one morning and there's no more dyslexics in this world there's always going to be. And for that reason, as long as there are people out there with dyslexia, our company will always survive. And the same for you, um, and Gabby. You know, as long as people recruit, uh, you know, for, for people. And for that reason, business will still stand. Yeah. Excellent. Exactly. Thank you so much. Exactly. We'll just be there to grow with them. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for coming on A2R Podcast. I want to actually extend a very big thank you to our funders um, who are funding this podcast at the moment, which is um, Equip social enterprise and education skills funding agency we want to say a big thank you to them we also want to say a big thank you to yola and um, salt and pepper production the founder of salt and pepper production for uh, the amazing work she does behind the scene to bring this um forward to people to listen to the podcast and also a very great massive big thank you to all our admin team our researchers and everybody who makes this um podcast possible but last but not least massive thank you to gabby preston for your time uh, from i've known you almost what maybe three years now and the amazing work you're doing to change lives of dyslexics thank you so much keep up the good work um i just want to say goodbye for now see you next week same time same place bye-bye the aspire to inspire dyslexia podcast all things dyslexia is funded by equip the education skills funding agency and the european social fund it's presented by Elizabeth Tashi and produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions.